You're listening to the Her Leadership Coach Podcast for the quietly determined career woman who's looking to step up into her first or next level leadership role. If you're looking to make a bigger, more positive difference in your organization, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, welcome in. It's Rochelle. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Her Leadership Coach, where I am diving deep into the whole introversion-extroversion personality trait. Now, I consider myself a bit of an introvert. And when I say a bit, I do mean a bit, right? On the sliding scale, and it is a sliding scale from introversion to extroversion, I'm definitely on the introversion side, but probably closer to the middle than the extreme outside. Have you ever wondered if you could change your introverted self to become extroverted or vice versa, if only you knew how? I have, of course, although to be honest, I've wondered about many types of behavior that we have. It's why I majored in psychology at uni and why I am pretty sure I love people watching so much. I really just love understanding which behaviors are just the way we're born. And so we're stuck with them. And which one's a learned behavior? Because if it's a learned behavior, that should mean we're able to unlearn it, right? Or at least relearn it in a different way. And I think I've come to understand that there is a much more, uh, much more learned behavior than there is in, hey, that's just the way I made. I can't change myself. Definitely more than I used to think. So. I wanted to know about introversion and whether it was something you could change about yourself. Now, just to be clear, this is from a place of curiosity, not a place of wanting to change myself in this area or thinking others should change. So anyway, it turns out introverts and extroverts actually have differences in their brains. Now, these are largely genetic, although some are influenced by the environment that people are raised in. And we will touch on that again later. One difference is that introverts' brains have fewer dopamine receptors than extroverts' brains. Now, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here, so I'm hoping that you will stay with me. I'm trying to make this as um, easy to understand as possible. So the first question is, what the hell is dopamine? <laughs> um, and it's a lot, actually. This is a pretty interesting neurotransmitter. But it's in simple terms, dopamine is a chemical that the brain releases. And when it does, both introverts and extroverts become more talkative, uh, alert to their surroundings, and are more likely to take risks and go exploring their environment. Now, because extroverts have more receptors, they crave more external stimulation, such as socializing, a little bit of risk taking that stimulates more dopamine for them. And that helps them to feel rewarded and happy. If we give that same amount of dopamine to introverts, they feel overwhelmed and anxious because they don't have enough receptors, enough kind of, I guess, dopamine sponges. Um, That's definitely a scientific term. And at some point, they need to find some quiet space to calm themselves down. So 
does that mean introverts aren't as happy as extroverts if all this dopamine is making extroverts feel rewarded and happy well no thankfully and I know this from experience but there's another chemical you see called and I hope I pronounce this right acetylcholine which is a chemical that also rewards us but its effects are a little more subtle than dopamine and it makes us feel relaxed and yet still alert uh, and content and that's the pleasure that introverts brains are apparently wired for so in introverts there is a surge of this chemical when they are alone or with a small group of close friends. In extroverts, if there's a surge of this chemical, it will leave them feeling really bored and basically craving more dopamine. Now, there are other brain differences between an introvert and an extrovert that we're not going to go into today. Um, but remember how I said at the beginning, I'm closer to the center of the introversion, extroversion sliding scale. Well, apparently that sliding scale is shaped more like a bell curve. And the majority of us are not at either extreme, but fit somewhere in the middle. And someone sitting in that middle is known as an ambivert. You may have heard of this. Um, Adam Grant, who is my favorite organizational psychologist, he's also a university lecturer, uh, an author of several books and a podcast host. He did some research and he estimates that between half to two thirds of the population are ambiverts. Um, although I have seen other estimates that range from as low as 20% to as high as 75%. So clearly the science is still to be decided in this space. Um, an ambivert can be a bit of both, right? So they can behave in an outgoing, sociable manner when the situation calls for it, or they are quite happy being quieter and more self-reflective. An ambivert is unlikely to be the first to leave a party like an introvert, but they're not going to be the last either like an extrovert. So the number of dopamine receptors in an ambivert's brain lies somewhere in the middle. So they can get pleasure both through dopamine hits, but not too much dopamine, and through acetylcholine, just not too much. So how do you work out where you lie on this bell curve? Well, one way is to do the Myers-Briggs assessment um, but for today, we're going to look at how you know if you're an ambivert and then an introvert or extrovert would be the extremes on either side. So as an ambivert, you're probably not particularly bothered by noisy crowds. I went to a crowded house concert a few weeks back with a huge crowd um, at a place called A Day on the Green. Lots of people. And I had an absolute ball. Um, I also enjoyed going home on a quiet bus afterwards. I, ambiverts also, though, don't feel restless when they're spending time alone, unlike extroverts. So I definitely love when I have an empty house and I get to read a really good book in peace and quiet. 
Uh, there's a clinical psychologist called Michael Alsay, and I'm hoping I'm saying his name correctly. And he says you're likely to be an ambivert if you enjoy deep conversations to a point. Uh, I can relate to that in that I love robust discussions with uh, one person or even in small or large groups. Some people might look at my robust discussions and feel uncomfortable and think they are arguments. I think those are the people that are more on the introverted side of the scale. Um, but there is a point, even though I enjoy those robust discussions, there is a point where I hit a wall. And I really, it sometimes feels like, wow, that came out of nowhere. And I feel like I need to make a really quick exit, even if I'm like mid-argument, mid-discussion, <laughs> um, and sort of find some less charged environments to allow my brain to just reset. Alsay uh, also says ambiverts are quite perceptive. So if a friend's having an issue, an extrovert will probably try and offer a solution straight away. An introvert might be really great at listening and lots of, oh, and mm-hmm. Whereas an ambivert might listen and ask thoughtful questions to try and help. So a little bit of A and a little bit of B. It sounds like ambiverts might make really good coaches, which is just as well for me. Finally, ambiverts can crash quickly, but they're not sure why. And Alsay explains this in the way that people who are ambiverts will often think of themselves more as extroverts or introverts. And because of that, they keep trying to replenish their energy from the source that makes sense for how they've categorized themselves. So as an introvert, I might be feeling exhausted and think oh it means I need some more alone time I need some recovery time I need some quiet time but sometimes when an ambivert is experiencing too much of their introvert or extrovert side it's the imbalance that causes them to feel depleted and so as I am an ambivert if I am spending too much alone time uh, and not aware of it then I might feel depleted because what I really need is some social interaction. And this makes so much sense to me. I've found, you know, since the pandemic and all of us are working from home a lot more than we used to be, I definitely have a lot more quiet time now than I ever have in my life as far as I remember. So I think that's fantastic. I love working from home I love being able to focus and you know not have a whole heap of noise around me that distracts me and yet still I can feel tired and often wondering what on earth is going on I did hear a podcast some time ago and I cannot remember off the top of my head who was the host of the podcast it might have been Brene Brown, it might have been Adam Grant, I don't know, I listen to far too many podcasts, um, but I remember them mentioning in the podcast that part of the exhaustion we're all suffering, even as, um, you know, even if we're more on the introverted side, isn't socializing too much, but socializing too little, and I do love it when I get to socialize with friends and colleagues, we had our staff Christmas lunch last week, and it was fabulous, I really enjoyed it. As long as it doesn't go on for too long, then I am energized by that. 
So if we go back to my original question, can you change your introverted self to become extroverted? And I guess in some ways the answer is yes, at least for up to two thirds of us. As ambiverts, we can flex between introverted and extroverted sides of ourselves to a point, right? However, if you're at one of the more extreme ends of the bell curve, then because of these differences in the brain, changing from an introvert to an extrovert or vice versa is pretty unlikely. However, remember how I said at the beginning that the brain differences are largely genetic, but some are influenced by the environment you're raised in. Well, one study that hints towards how much is genetic and how much might be environmental was conducted in 2009 by a guy called David Freeman. He looked at how extroversion differed in American students versus students from Singapore. And the results that he got showed that 51% of Singapore students are extroverted compared with 62% of American students. And intuitively, that just feels right. Now, that could still be genetic, right? Or it could be environment or a mixture of both. Either way, it shows that culture has an impact, whether it's immediate, environmental, or over a longer period of time. And so your environment has changed your brain over a long period of time, and that's been passed down to you genetically through the ages. So all this has me believing that you can, over time, move yourself a little closer to the middle, even if you're at one extreme or the other, should you want to. Now, should you want to? Well, if you're looking to be the best leader you can, you may indeed want to try. I found a paper by Hudson and Ferguson from 2016 on researchgate.com. And this is a quotation straight from the paper. It says, the wise leader must feature the traits of a true ambivert by being able to be the extrovert when the team needs a talkative leader and the introvert when the team needs a quiet, thoughtful leader. So the more you are able to embrace either in the right context, the better off the team will be. It's this kind of inner work that we address in the Accelerate Your Leadership Academy. So if you're interested in finding out more, I will leave the link to that in the show notes and you can either join the waiting list or if it happens to be open when you're listening to this podcast, you can join us in the Academy if it's right for you. Thanks for joining me this week. If you want to continue the conversation all about the many versions, why not join us in the Women in Leadership Facebook group? You will find the link for that in the show notes as well. Uh, There really is so much wisdom in the group from women that are, I am sure, just like you. Introverted, ambiverted, extroverted, all of the versions. Really, it's, it's a great place to hang out. If you got value out of this episode, I would love it if you could share it with others and let them know that you think they're a leader and that's why you're sharing it with them. And of course, if you've been listening to podcasts for any amount of time, you will know that rating the show and leaving a review helps others find the show and I would really appreciate it. Until next week, 
continue to lead the way her way.